Today's podcast is brought to you by our very good friends at Practice Evolution Prime. Practice Evolution Prime was created to bridge the gap from school to success. You can be successful, you should be successful, and being successful takes work. You have to gain the skills and foundation to be the sought-after family chiropractor, and our goal is to create extraordinary family chiropractors. This program is not easy. It will challenge you. It will push you. We choose to only work with doctors and students who are teachable, principled, and willing to work hard to improve their skills, practice, and their lives. If you are interested in learning more about this program and to apply, or if you are a patient looking for a PEP Prime doctor, visit our website, pepprime.com. That's pepprime.com, or call the Practice Evolution Program at 801-281-1646. Hey everyone, and welcome to the KiddoCast for Chiropractic Families, the world's first and only podcast committed to normalizing complementary and alternative care, particularly chiropractic care for children by sharing the experiences of the doctors in the trenches. In our time together, we will talk with pillars in the alternative healthcare world to give you the tools you'll need to make positive change in the health of your children today. Simply put, we're here to change the trajectory of modern healthcare. I'm your host, Dr. Daniel Bronstein. I'm a pediatric and family chiropractor certified by the Academy Council of Chiropractic Pediatrics and the director of the Beacon Clinic Chiropractic in beautiful Grover Beach, California. And guys, today we have a treat. Um really, really hard to put my finger on why I really love this person that we're having on the podcast, but uh, we go way, way, way back and uh, she's going to share some amazing, amazing insight for you. Uh, So let me welcome to the podcast, Dr. Lauren Kodik. With a background in professional cycling and extensive global travel, Dr. Lauren brings an unusually diverse worldview to her practice. When her grueling athletic pursuits led to injury and illness, she found a holistic chiropractic care, uh, sorry, she found holistic chiropractic care to be the most potent way to promote her body's self-healing. After earning a Bachelor of Chiropractic from the New Zealand College of Chiropractic, uh, which is an equivalent to the American Doctor of Chiropractic degree, Dr. Lauren trained in herbal and nutritional medicine as well as functional neurology. Traveling extensively and practicing throughout Asia, she eventually set down roots in Denver in 2014, founding Nikau Chiropractic as an homage to the iconic Nikau trees that line the shores of her native New Zealand. Outside of her practice, Dr. Lauren is deeply committed to continuing education and mentorship, and she leads international service retreats, seminars, and is the founder of health and wellness podcast, Nikau Talks. Dr. Lauren, welcome from Denver. Hey, Dan. Thanks for having me. (laughs) I'm so excited. So, um, Lauren, you and I met uh, for the first time in Mexico City in 2008, right? Mm-hmm. That's one. Okay. WCCS, World Congress of Chiropractic Students. And, you know, admittedly back then, um, I didn't know what the heck was going on. Uh, I was still locked in my first year at chiropractic college going like, what is this all about? Um, and since that time, um, I've made a full stop trajectory change and, uh, and what I've learned and how I've practiced. Um, and then we were back together again in New Zealand. Uh, your hometown, your home island, Auckland, New Zealand in 2000, mm-hmm. was that? It must have been 2009. 2009, uh-huh. Uh, I got to spend three weeks on the island, um, one week in Auckland, uh, spending time with a bunch of other amazing chiropractic students from all over the world. Uh, I got to see the beautiful campus in New Zealand, which uh, out of all the colleges I visited, that is by far my favorite college. 
uh, not just for the location and how beautiful the campus is, but also for the faculty and the students. Um, we got to spend two weeks in the South Island snowboarding and hanging out in Queenstown and doing all sorts of other crazy stuff. And shortly after, uh, we both kind of disappeared. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of <laughs> we we kind of disappeared. We uh, you know, we both graduated around the same time. You know, I did a ton of traveling. You did a ton of traveling. And then just recently, uh-huh. you know, within the last couple of years, you know, we we reconnected as you moved back to the States. So um, mm-hmm. just just for, you know, completeness sake. Yes. I'd love for you to tell all of our, our moms and dads, listeners, other docs that are paying attention to this podcast, like what you've kind of been through over the past mm-hmm. uh, maybe seven, eight years, uh, just to frame your personal experience. Gosh, that's a big question. Um, <laughs> I'll keep it entertaining for sure and um, touch on some highlights. So I love that you bring up that we both kind of disappeared uh, post chiropractic school. And I think something that certainly um, probably is a shared experience for both of us is that we both almost had to find ourselves. We had to lose ourselves and find ourselves um, post chiropractic school. And for me, I left New Zealand probably in 2012. Um, and all I wanted to do was travel the world and have no possessions. And so I put a, I think 15 pounds on my back and bought a one-way ticket to Hong Kong and went through China, down through Vietnam, got to Cambodia, thought that I'd spend two weeks in Cambodia, two weeks in Laos and get to the beach in Thailand. And um, the powers that be had another another path for me. And so I ended up spending four months in Cambodia and was at a yoga and meditation retreat. And it was at that point where I hadn't been in practice. I don't think I'd been with patients for about five months at that point. And I remember the sensation of, of itchy hands. I, I got itchy hands. And it was almost like the wheel had turned. And it was certainly, I think, the turning of the page from being a chiropractic student and um, just following along what was next, what was next, what was next, to this um, aha moment of really how who I was and how I wanted to practice. And so I started seeing... Uh, patients in this Cambodian village, both the local Cambodian people, but also the um, residents at the yoga and meditation retreat. And that really changed my trajectory in terms of really feeling what it felt like to put your hands on someone that was living in accordance with nature. And so being in an ashram environment, you know, if we think about what do we know about chiropractic? We know that it's uh, issues within the neurospinal system come from an overwhelm within the central nervous system. So living outside of our capacity to adapt. And here I am in an environment that's set up very much to keep us in alignment and keep us in the parameters of, of our capacity. And so what I mean by that is when I was putting my hands on this population, there was a clarity within the central nervous system I'd never felt before. And that's something that I have, um, one, held on to as a practitioner, but it has certainly influenced the way I live my life. Hmm. And it took a few years to kind of get, you know, out of the, um, the Western way of living hmm. and the immense amount of overwhelm that's within our central nervous system. Hmm. And to kind of finish up that story is I left Cambodia 
and was still really in that turning of the page, didn't know where I wanted to practice in the world, so took myself off to England and worked in England in the northeast of England through a very cold winter, if anyone has spent any time up around Durham. Um, I That was the dark night of the soul, and that was when I realized that sunshine was absolutely in my blood um, growing up in New Zealand, and I think Denver, Colorado is something like the 50th most sunny city in the world. And so now I'm living in Denver, Colorado Hmm. and couldn't be happier. You put me in the sunshine. I'm like my mother. Hmm. Um, I grow, I blossom and we have some of the best um, snowboarding and and, um, snow conditions here. So I'm happy no matter what the season is. Yeah, no doubt. When we were in, um, when we were in Queenstown, um, I remember that we were snowbound for like three or four days. Um, or weather bound. It, it, there was no snow in Queenstown, but it was not, it was not pretty. But even in spite of all that, it very much reminded me of like where I live in California, where I grew up mm-hmm. right? because it's roughly like on the opposite side of the equator, like at the same mm-hmm. level of latitude, I think. Right. Mm-hmm. Or longitude. Is that correct? Going up and down. So yeah, I mean, aside from the seasons being totally opposite, uh, I, I, I really felt like at home and I can see, I can definitely empathize, you know, with your story. And this is the second time I've heard, you know, the story in so mm-hmm. many, you know, months. But um, I always selfishly think about my transition at that time in my life as well, right? Because we, I think we both came from similar places, right? At least philosophically. Mm-hmm. And higher education is a way of kind of breaking you down. Um, and you realize that education in and of itself is very sterile. And chiropractic care is anything but, right? Yes. Now, I can understand if, you know, you're going to physical therapy school or, or medical school or, you know, I have a lot of friends who are PhDs, you know, who did, uh, you know, very academic degrees and are college professors or attorneys or whatever. Um, it's, it's very mechanical, right? Coming from a mechanical education into chiropractic was just like, it was, I mean, it got the bends, Right. I, I got I, I felt I felt disembodied because I could not apply my trade in a way that made me feel whole. And there's nothing more important uh, apropos to what we talk about on this podcast. There's nothing more important to taking care of children than, than being connected to those children, because, number one, they can't tell you what's wrong for sure. Mm-hmm. And nor should, you know, a patient telling you where to adjust them ever govern the type of care that you provide. But more than that young babies, which makes up, you know, the core of my practice, they are operating on kind of a different plane, right? Because they don't have the same prefrontal sort of neurological connection that adults do, right? And furthermore, they don't have the same prefrontal connection that a one-year-old does. So it's very pure and very primitive. And so if a kiddo comes in and they're subluxated or a kiddo comes in and they have some sort of like interference somewhere to the neurology, um, you as a practitioner have to be 100% connected and committed to helping helping that child. And I find that, at least in my experience, and again, this is going back to what you were talking about, my experience of being able to strip myself down to nothing mm-hmm. and find what I'm truly made of uh, has made me a much more effective healer. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to say successful, but it's effective at helping sick people get well. Um, I'm sure you find that where you are in Denver now. Um, yes. And I know that's the case, having heard the whole story of all your travels. Um, I'm interested to know what that transition was like from 
not North America to <laughs> North America. Uh, because as we were talking about in our pre-chat, you know, the healthcare culture here is totally bizarre, right? Yes. Com- yes. <laughs> it is It is completely bizarre. Um, it is certainly my the the fuel in my fire um to be here is bringing that perspective of this is not the way it has to be Hmm. um and actually this is not 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 common and so something that i find a lot is people confuse the definition of the words um common and normal right and this is not normal and no it's not common Hmm. um and when we don't get out of our little bubble is we don't don't realize that and so i mean in one hand i bring a breath of fresh air into the healthcare community here because i'm still enthused and i and i know that it can be different and i and i'm not bogged down by policy and um the knowledge that it's been like this for so long and therefore how are we ever going to change it um i've just kind of come in and i'm changing it yeah. Um, I found my community here and the community is growing and growing, but it's certainly an inside out, um, effort. And I mean, I love my community. They've given me so much. And so I just turn up every day hmm. and, um, and give back, give back, give back. And I think as soon as people come into my office, you know, they hear the way I talk and they can't understand me, but at least they know that they're going to get a different experience. Yeah. And, you know, growing up in New Zealand, you know, we didn't, the medical profession was always there when we needed it, but it certainly wasn't the first port of call. And I think because that comes so naturally and um, clearly through me with my communication with my patients is mm. it's such a normal thing for me to communicate. No, this is the place you come. Right. Like this is the place you come because I think something very common I'll say in my initial visits is when they've ticked all these boxes of all these symptoms, I go, oh, you're the perfect chiropractic patient. Hmm. And they look at me Hmm. and I say, you've got like 20 things wrong with you according (laughs) to my paperwork. And then I go on to share, it's like you, when you sit in a chiropractor's office, the beautiful thing is, is we're looking for patterns and we're looking for the root cause of what is causing all of these seemingly very diverse symptoms. And for mm-hmm. us, there might be one, two or three, you know, threads through that. And so I love that these people are sitting in my office because I am going to be the most effective at dealing with those root causes. If they were somewhere else, they might get 20 different therapies. Totally. Yeah. And, and that's, that's, I mean, spot on. I mean, it, so I was, it, Again, like connected to kind of what you're talking about, I was in my office yesterday doing a report on a on a 13 month old, and um, this kiddo is pretty sick. Uh, there there are a lot of things that are going wrong in this kiddo's life, and he made it into my office, which is which is awesome. But he's been he's been glossed over his entire life mm-hmm. because the traditional medical system, at least in my experience, and maybe it's just kind of where I live in a fairly you know insulated environment. But it's very much about, oh, well, you know, stay away from the doctor unless you're sick, right? Come to the doctor when you got a symptom. We'll give you a shot or we'll give you a pill or we'll give you something. And God knows, like infectious disease, like we, we need medicine sometimes, you know, that's mm-hmm. the nature of the beast. But these kids, they have so many patterns 
was the word that you used, patterns mm -hmm. that all sort of overlap and match up, that if we do not address the sort of underlying causes of these patterns, then mm -hmm. we're just going to be chasing our tails for in perpetuity. And that's, I think, what ends up happening to these kids is they get stuck on this treadmill where one chronic disease leads to another chronic disease, leads to another chronic disease, and they can never snap out of it, right? Our buddy Stan, mm -hmm. he talks about how he sees chronicity at birth in his office. And I think that's true for pretty much all of us. Chronic disease, by definition, is something that's been really going on for a minimum of three months. Um, well, how do you have a newborn that's chronically ill? the day they're born other than to have had issues perhaps with mom and dad, like even there's certain genomic things that go back multiple generations mm -hmm. on the dad and mom side, plus intrauterine constraint and trauma in utero and trauma at birth and chemical cytotoxicity and all that other stuff. Now we have generations of chronic disease that are mm -hmm. not easily fixed quote unquote by mm -hmm. this medication or that medication. Mm -hmm. um, my experience in New Zealand and all of Southeast Asia in general, was that there was a good marriage between traditional, well, they call it traditional medicine, traditional, let's call it folk medicine and Western medicine, right? And my time at WHO, that's one of the things I studied quite often is we saw like Chinese hospitals, for example, that would have two halves. One wing was Western medicine mm -hmm. and one wing was whatever, traditional Chinese medicine, acupuncture, tweena, whatever. Right. Same uh -huh. thing with Korea. Same thing with Japan. Uh, to some extent, I saw that when I was traveling around New Zealand as well, because it seemed like the culture mm -hmm. was deeply rooted in old folk Maori culture. Right. Mm -hmm. And there was an emphasis on traditional healing there. Is that would that be an accurate assessment, Lauren? It would be somewhat accurate. I think my experience has been is that New Zealand is very um, connected to the earth mm -hmm. and connected to the land. And because of that natural medicine, whether it be um, naturopathy or homeopathy or um, nutritional therapy, these things are all far more part of the social fabric mm -hmm. to be used hand in hand when, when, need, when necessary with Western medicine. Um, the Maori culture whether their medicine has kind of bled into current society. I don't, I, I don't think so. Um, probably in the extent that, that you might've observed. Mm. Um, but there certainly is this, this marriage between alternative and, um, in orthodox medicine. I would say sure. I would say it's more like a lot of cultural artifacts that blend over, right? Not necessarily the medical or healing culture, but there are there there are a lot of social things that I recognize that were totally unique to New Zealand that I didn't even see in other parts of, you know, similar areas in the world. Hmm. Um, I mean, I think the most notable thing honestly uh, about my time in New Zealand and why I, I can't wait to go back is is how well the the Kiwis treat their environment. Um not only is the country yes. beautiful, but it's pristine. I mean, mm -hmm. the water is clean. The environment is clean. Like even the, even the beer was like remarkably clean by comparison mm. because the water sources were so much better than anywhere we can get in the United States, right? The food was impeccable. Uh -huh. It was just like, it, it was just, I mean, even chiropractic, like it's so well protected in New Zealand by yes. comparison to yes. the, the United States. It's, it's like, it's just, it's part of what people do to take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. And most of the Kiwis that I talked to, and I actually made, I had this conversation with you when we were down there, they basically said it's because New Zealand is just fairly insulated, right? Um, yes. it's, everybody has Island fever and they all want to hop off. Um, so it's a blessing and a curse, but it's like, 
that that cultural element and people taking care of each other and taking care of themselves is just something that's missing here, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I find that it's more yeah. prevalent in chiropractic offices, but uh, not so much in the culture in general. Um, do you do you see a yeah. solution to that? As it, it, I mean, maybe just specifically where you live in Denver, do you see a solution to that problem here? I see a solution to it. The solution is community, mm. without a doubt. Um, because New Zealand, I mean, you're right, it is a blessing and a curse. We're so far away. But because we're so far away, we're a small community. And so what happens to your brother and your sister happens to you. That's We're very aware that the health of the chiropractor across the road is a direct correlation to my health. And I worked in an amazing um, city in New Zealand, Nelson, which I think you, you went through on your travels. And at the time, I think there was eight chiropractors um, in the city. And... I will put eight phenomenal chiropractors. And because of that, the reputation of chiropractic within that city was the bar was, was set really, really high. Hmm. And so everyone being going to a chiropractor, being talking about chiropractic, that was a very it was it became normalized. Yeah. And therefore the chiropractors we looked after each other, we referred to each other, we got adjusted by each other, and so there was this sense of community. Hmm. And you're right, it was this protection. Hmm. Um and I think as soon as you start to get bigger, 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 the problems get bigger and bigger and bigger. And but also our, we get disconnected from from our colleagues and from our people. And then it's like man eat dog, and we're all just well, you know. And I think that says something to the greater medical culture in the U.S., which is essentially a for-profit culture. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and it's, it's a controversial topic right now because everybody's talking about you know single-party pay and getting out of the Affordable Care Act and all this government assistance and all that other nonsense. And the fact is, you know, we've run demonstration projects in the past. We've shown that when people have unadulterated access to things like Medicare, they utilize mm-hmm. it, right? Which means mm-hmm. it's not so much access to healthcare that's the problem. It's the mindset that's the problem, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just because you have access to medicine doesn't mean you need it to get yourself better. It means that there's something fundamentally missing between brain and body uh, and maybe conversely from body to brain that are prohibiting or preventing you from actually correcting yourself, right? The body is self-healing, self-regulating. It's a major premise in chiropractic care. And if we don't believe that, right? If our patients don't believe that, if we as doctors don't believe that, if the general community doesn't understand that or can't comprehend it, we got a much bigger problem than just access to chiropractic care. And so in a lot of ways, you know, the biggest uh, hurdle for going to a chiropractor, I think for most of my par- uh, patients is that educational piece, right? And we talk very frequently on this podcast all about like, you know, how do you know you're picking a good chiropractor for your kids? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Well, how would you answer that question, Lauren? I love that question because I see so many patients that have never been to a chiropractor before. So, mm-hmm. you know, why have they gone from seeing no chiropractor to coming into my office? Mm-hmm. And... It is the educational piece, and it's when our people understand what we do, they go and tell their friends using their communication skills, and then they end up in their office. And that might just be, look, you just need to go. Just go. Just go. Um, and I think within my office is, is my people really understand that what chiropractic care is about is about the brain far more than it is about the back, the spine. Um, and so that what we're doing is, you know, probably the two words that you'll hear the most in my office is stress and the brain, mm. stress, brain, stress, brain, stress, brain, because what does stress do when we're living outside of our capacity? 
um, it changes the way the brain works. Mm. It doesn't make the brain necessarily um, operate in dysfunction, although that certainly gets there and we can touch on that. But it makes the brain appropriately respond to stress. That's just not very good for living a healthy life. But our brain is still operating correctly. Um, And so, you know, my patients understand that. My patients understand um, healthy brain cycling as opposed to, you know, unhealthy patterns. What parts of the brain are fired up when we're in overwhelm and what parts of the brain we actually want to to live an expansive life. Um, And so to answer your question of, you know, how do we communicate for, for patients to, to or educate patients to be coming in for care is that like this is the place for optimal health. Mm. This is the place. A chiropractic, a chiropractic office is the place for taking your family's life, your own life out of that um, pothole of stress. Yeah. And, you know, something magical happens when we shift out of survival mode yeah. and, I think you heard me speak at the the WCCS last last month, two yeah. months ago, um, in, in teaching the students that because when we really understand what stress does and how it puts us in survival mode, it is our first port of call to get out of survival mode yeah. because our brain, it's it's all it all comes back to the brain. Our brain doesn't make great decisions for ourselves and we certainly don't make great decisions for our families mm-hmm. we don't communicate well we don't have healthy relationships mm-hmm. um when we're in in survival mode well i mean and you are obviously trained very well by one of our favorite people on the planet right dr heidi yes. Havik. <laughs> right heidi is you know it's i'm such a fanboy when it comes to heidi's research right? and hopefully we're going to get heidi on the podcast to talk about what she's doing very shortly but uh yeah, make sure you give her a phone call and tell her that I'm uh, giving her the stink eye. She needs to get on the podcast, mm-hmm. Lauren. Um, she certainly does. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Heidi, get on the get on the podcast. <laughs> there you have it. Um, we uh, so so patients ask me frequently, Lauren, and I think this is something we got to talk about because, especially talking to a lot of moms on this podcast, right? Stress is something mm-hmm. that you know we just have to deal with, right? I mean, the answer really is no, but it's with the way that our culture has has accelerated over the past several generations since the onset of industrialization, stress has become ubiquitous to modern life, right? And stress didn't even exist as a word really until the 1950s and 60s, right? Hans Selye coined the term um, in a landmark paper that he wrote, and I think it was published in about 1960. I'll have to go back and look at the dates, but he described two different types of stress, eustress, mm-hmm and distress. Eustress is good stress, distress is bad stress, and your body is constantly playing this like epic battle between those two, sympathetic yes. and parasympathetic. When you're in a state of chronic distress, that fight or flight response, your body go through, goes through four stages, right? It goes through alarm, adaptation, fatigue, and then eventually it dies. And so what mm-hmm. Hans was talking about was that stress, stress can kill you. Right. And when you go to the doctor's office and you say, hey, doc, I'm stressed out. What's a typical intervention? Right. We'll take a Valium, take a Xanax, take this pill. Mm -hmm. Right. Stress. Stress is totally normal. Right. Well, no, it's not. No, it's not. Just because everybody's stressed out all the time does not make it okay. It's just an indication that we are becoming rapidly disconnected with that source, which makes us human. Mm -hmm. I'll talk to parents all the time about benchmarks with their kids. Right. The most important thing I want to see within the first like 
you know, after the first year or so is that in addition to walking that a child can actually perform a squat well, right? Because the squat is like the most primitive movement pattern that a weight bearing child can perform, right? We have to unlearn how to squat from years of sitting in bad posture because we're failing in our adaptation to gravity. But that stress, it's the cause of all chronic disease. Mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily have to be emotional stress. It doesn't have to be, you know, excitotoxic stress from the environment it could be mechanical or traumatic stress as well and your body doesn't know the difference and i don't know if i've talked about this on the podcast before but while we're talking about this i'll tell you how i educate my patients on stress okay so basically when you're born right and this is how it sort of ties back into children and how chronic stress affects them when you're born assuming there's no trauma you have a good sort of vertex birth baby's anterior you know it's not a protracted labor everything goes to plan apgars are 10 and 10 when they're born Imagine that that stress receptacle is a bucket. The bucket's empty at birth. And over the course of your lifetime, you dump different colored liquids into that bucket, whether it's a traumatic accident or a fall or an injury, whether it's excitotoxic stress from too much sugar, high fructose corn syrup, like, you know, refined grains, uh, uh, glyph glyphosate, uh, uh, heavy metals, whatever, uh, or emotional stress like money, spouse, family, whatever. The body can adapt until the bucket gets full. And at some point, one innocuous looking stressor will fill the bucket and the bucket will overflow. That's when you're in chronic fight or flight mode, stress mode, and that's where your body starts uh, becoming oxidatively damaged. Now, a big massive car accident can fill the bucket in one shot. Mm -hmm. Okay, but more commonly, we'll see... Um, insults to the neuraxis that take place over long periods of time, 20, 30 years, right? And we'll have somebody who, you know, drinks 12 pack of soda every day for their entire adult life. We'll have somebody who is under emotional stress because of finances for 20, 30 years. And then one day they'll come into my office and say, Hey doc, I blew my back out and I wasn't doing anything stupid. I was just tying my shoelace. Mm -hmm. It's because the bucket is overflowing. Kids are starting to be born now with full buckets, right? And this is cross-generational. It goes back to mom and dad multiple generations past because of all the excitotoxic and genomic stress that they've uh, they've accumulated. Um, and now we have kiddos who will come out the day they're born and they'll already be having issues with things like chronic subluxation, misalignment, neurological uh, interference or gain, if we're gonna call it that, in, in the neuraxis that affects their brains. It affects their neurological progression, specifically feed forward activation from the cerebellum to the prefrontal cortex, which is when I typically see a lot of my cognitive delays in my office. Um, and that leads to a lifelong of chronic recycling disease, right? So, you know, full circle, right? Talking about this, this concept of stress, I think it's important for parents to understand that nobody is really sort of immune to the effects of stress. The effects are just not always visible, right? Mm -hmm. And so acknowledging that those stressors are there and taking stances to fix them uh, is, mm -hmm. is really where chiropractic comes in, right? Yes. We are the gatekeepers of damage done by industrialization, right? <laughs> right. And I know, I know you know this and I know what you do in your office. It's just, it seems like, it seems like in order to educate the masses and help them understand how best to be healthy and then to take the burden off of our bankrupting healthcare economy. Like that's number mm -hmm. one, right? That's how you, that's how you change trajectory. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I find, you know, in Colorado where you are, I mean, it seems like a fairly pro progressive community, right? 
I imagine it's a pretty easy nut to crack with most of the folks you see in your offices. Uh-huh. And um, yep. it seems like also from, from afar, you know, you work with a lot of women in your practice, which is great because I think uh-huh. in general, women ha- don't have the best, um, they don't have the best outreach when it comes to non-traditional medical problems, right? Mm-hmm. Um, chiropractic in a lot of ways for women, um, it's very emotional and sometimes it's a very um, intimate experience I find, right? Which is why I'm really glad that mm-hmm. I have Dr. Sam in my office now because she can provide that sort of femininity uh, to care mm-hmm. that I just by genetics cannot. Um, mm-hmm. We talk about that. We talk about your approach uh, as, a, as a female yeah. chiropractor in, in Colorado and how that, that works out in your practice. Totally. And I love the, the bucket analogy. And because so many people, particularly women, um, turn up in my office in their mid twenties and all of a sudden they have this chaos in their health. And, and it's like just last year or just five years ago, they didn't have all of these, um, parts of their, their organ, like organ systems starting to, to them seeing dysfunction. Um, and so I sit with them and I'm like, yep, this is what happens. It's like whatever within maybe that generation, it's taken 25 years to, to fill that bucket and have it to start grossly overflow. Mm. Um, but then it is, it's that, it's that process of emptying the bucket, emptying the bucket and educating and educating is so they know how they're filling their bucket on a day to day basis. Mm. Um, and the reason why I'm so passionate about that population is because you know women certainly i mean for them to get healthy they then become really the decision maker in most in most households mm-hmm. and so if i can get a 20 something year old woman a woman really understanding what it feels like to feel great mm-hmm. then she's going to one pick a better partner um, to to raise a family with and then raise healthier healthier children Hmm. and so there's nothing more exciting to me than seeing that 25 26 year old start to realize you know that you know she's good enough or you know her that she can learn boundaries or she can speak up for herself um that her body isn't you know working against her Hmm. that everything that she's feeling up like today is actually a very intelligent response. And so I spend a lot of time empowering my women that what they're experiencing is appropriate, what they're experiencing is intelligent and why their body is responding in that way. So they don't feel like they're walking around in this thing that's uncontrollable. Um, And the only way they feel like they're going to control it is by taking their pharmaceutical um, prescription. And so turning turning that that ship around to you know that the body is magnificent but we got to put the right things in the- well and everything you know essentially happens for a reason right i i mean obviously in the type of practice that i have i, I do see a lot of women no doubt and you're absolutely right women are the boss right I mean, mm-hmm. Brit is the boss in my household, no doubt, right? Marcy mm-hmm. is the boss in my office, right? Marcy and Shereen are both the bosses in my office. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm not in charge of my own life. Um, but it's because there's a, there's a, I think, a unique biological directive for women uh, that's, that's genetic, that's innate, that men simply don't have. And 
I notice it even in the way that I take care of myself, right? Chiropractors are guilty all the time of not providing the same level of care for themselves that they provide for their patients. And no doubt taking care of the types of patients that we do is really stressful sometimes. Um, with the energetic work that I do, I go home and I'm a lightning rod from time to time, right? And I'll tell, you know, my family, like, I just, I just need to decompress a little bit. Um, but even just physically, like, adjusting the type of volume that we see in our practice, it's just, it's really damaging to my body, which mm-hmm. is why I'll have Dr. Sam check and adjust me every single day. Women, I find in my office, are just innately predisposed and connected and empathic in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, that allows them to be able to make the most educated decisions for maximum survival potential for their families, which is <laughs> ironic because men have been has been, have been sort of like tasked with that job of like the family protector for as long as you know we can remember. It's a cliche, but in reality, you know, I find that that women really are. Consequently, their my entire practice is is women and kids, and it's not really by design. It's just kind of the way that it works. I, I love that you bring up the fact that that what we provide that reconnection that chiropractic is designed to do essentially helps educate women that they're okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. I see it. I, I mean, I, I see it in my office so frequently and it's, it sucks because there's so much just self-esteem and there's so much just like moms and, and, and women feeling inconsequential, especially single moms. Mm-hmm. Right. And then they'll have a baby and they'll bring the baby in and they'll realize that, you know, a lot of the time if the baby's sick, it's because mama's sick too. Mm-hmm. That, that in connection is so vitally important, right? Chiropractic has a way of reconnecting mm-hmm. those circuits that have lined dormant for so long. Um, thanks for sharing mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah. I see so many, um, I see actually quite a few families where I see three generations of mm-hmm. women mm-hmm. And it's just amazing what, how um, similar their systems are. Right. And as soon as you unlock one, it's almost like it clears it generate like through through the generation. It's so funny it's that you bizarre. bring that up. It's so funny that you bring that up because I, I'm reminded of a case that I had uh, until just recently. The girls went off to college, um, but uh, I was taking care of mom. Well, I guess it's just two generations. I was taking care of mom and all of her kids. Uh, she had she had mm-hmm. four kids. Um, we know that scoliosis isn't exactly congenital, right? We know there are certain genetic concomitants, but it's not like your mom had a scoliosis, so you're going to have a scoliosis. We know that a lot of like positional scoliosis is related to environment, right? Like uh, certain types of like in uterine constraint, uh, traumas, uh, motor control errors, things that are developmental, whatever. Um, all of her kids and her had identical scolies identical down to the curve when I first started taking care of them. Like we took angles and they're all exactly in the same wheelhouse, same apex, same degree of change, everything. And what I found was that when we started taking care of mama, um, she wasn't the first person under care, but I started doing corrective work shortly after I started seeing the daughters. Um, we started to see incremental changes in not only in their posture and their spinal structures, but also in their overall sort of health expression. Mm. taking care of the girls by themselves, we made some good progress, but it did not really take off until mom was under care. And I think it's because they, they really had this kindred bond that had mm-hmm. gone back to their individual traumas. Because I mean, mom, you know, she was dealing with some trauma. The girls were going through their own sets of traumas. And once we were able to clear all of that off the table, it really changed everything for their family dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, with scoliosis, it's not my number one priority or is my specialty, you know, to correct scolies. Um, but as we started seeing some organic correction, as we got, you know, changes in 
subluxation patterns, um, all three of them started working in, in the same exact sort of like realm, which is really strange and metaphysical and esoteric for me. Um, uh-huh. I mean, you knew me back when I was like a major mechanist. So I'm always looking for like <laughs> exact scientific answers for everything. And I've learned over the course of my career that you just kind of have to like let nature do its thing, you know? You sure do. That's why I love hanging out with you now. It's <laughs> <laughs> a totally different person. Yeah. Well, it's funny. It's like, I mean, Anchor, our buddy Anchor, who I need to get on the podcast too. Like that guy is, he's so freaking funny because he knew me back in Mexico too. He knew me when I was young and stupid um, and angry, but, uh, but he puts it the same way. He's just like, you know, when you start taking care of kids, like everything changes, you know, mm-hmm. when I became a dad, everything changed because mm-hmm. I see it through the eyes of these very, vulnerable humans these very primitive these perfect pristine humans that have not been that have not been perverted by years of chronic stress Uh it's the way a human being should exist and so when we see sick kids we're going okay well this is absolutely not okay right i can maybe tolerate it with an adult who's done years of excitotoxic damage to themselves but with kids there's something really wrong here and the really cool thing about seeing kids i know you know is that it's not super difficult to change trajectories on them because at the worst we got like a couple of years that we have to reverse right as opposed to 40 or 50 years that we have to reverse Uh yeah Um, and disease processes have gained momentum that's the nice thing it's like the sooner you can like it's, it, I, I use the analogy, like it's really easy to spin a speedboat around because it's small, <laughs> you know, but it's like as that boat gets bigger and bigger, it's like you try and turn the Titanic. It's going to take some time. Totally. Yeah, um, I was just on a phone so, call with a doc who is, uh, well, is a student who's actually going to be graduating from Northwestern. We were doing a little debrief on some consulting we're doing. And we're talking about the differences between taking care of adults and kids. It's not uncommon in some cases for me to have adults. It'll take me three years to correct, right? Mm-hmm. If it takes me more than you know, three to six months to correct a newborn. I got something wrong with me, right? Mm -hmm. Even the sickest kids, because the trajectory is not so far gone that we can't make those habitual changes last early uh, before, you know, the brain fully develops, right? I love that speedboat Mm -hmm. analogy because it's so true. I look at it like a snowball, right? If the snowball is really small at the top of the hill, it's fairly easy to stop. But if the Mm -hmm. snowball is all the way at the bottom of the hill, 50% or more, like, it just takes a ton of weight just to stop the momentum, let alone correct it, right? Correct it. Yeah. yeah that's why yeah. we check babies, you know, as soon as they're born, right? That's why we check young kids as soon as humanly possible before symptoms even show up because we want to make mm-hmm. sure that there is no bad momentum picking up. Right? Yeah. And I think that's the takeaway um, for anyone and everyone listening. It's like we don't know we don't know in kids and especially in babies how full that bucket is. And mm-hmm. there's no profession out there apart from pediatric chiropractors that specialize in the analysis of really how much stress is in that that little one system and then has the the remedy to to empty the bucket Mm. and so like I certainly know that within within my life had I known how much stress was accumulating within my system um as a kid and an adolescent I think my trajectory and health would have been very different um, but then of course, maybe I wouldn't have fallen into chiropractic. So, totally. you know, there's always, there's always a, a reason. Yeah, no doubt. Well, and I'm very much aware of that now. I think in my life back in my old days, not so much, but, uh, I, I definitely see everything kind of happening for a reason in my career, no doubt. Um, mm-hmm. Hey Lauren, uh, you're in Denver, Colorado proper, right? Correct. Okay. Uh, tell everybody how they can get a hold of you. Yeah, absolutely. So I run a practice uh, called Nikau Chiropractic, N-I-K-A-U, um, and I'm in the City Park neighborhood. 
And best way to contact me is find me online. So either website, social media, Instagram, Facebook, it's all Nikau Chiropractic. Um, that's, that's without a doubt the best way. If you want to jump on the old podcast, I run Nikau Talks, which is a health and wellness podcast where you just sit down with really interesting kick-ass women entrepreneurs that are either acupuncturists or nutritionists or fitness professionals and have a similar conversation about how they got to where they were or where they are and the the gems for, for other people to live a healthier, happier life. And for, for chiropractors too, because I know there's a ton of docs that are listening, you're running mm-hmm. a, uh, a retreat in Cambodia, right? I am. I'm going back to Cambodia for the first time in five years mm. and... You just, I can't travel anymore without giving back to the community that's given so much to me. So I was visiting Mexico earlier in the year and threw in my table. You fly that the Southwest, you get two bags, you better put your chiropractic table in on vacation. <laughs> and so, yeah, I had the idea to go, the, the desire to go back to Cambodia. And then as I was talking to friends, they wanted to come too, so we've turned it into a service retreat. Mm. So open to chiropractors, chiropractic students, and then also lovers of chiropractic. So chiropractic is not just for chiropractors and chiropractors, chiropractic students, but you know we can all learn to, to live a healthier, more sustainable life. And so it's a seven-day retreat over New Year from December 28th to mm. January 5th, and we'll be at a yoga and meditation retreat and so all the meals will be made for us. We'll be swinging in hammocks and reconnecting with ourselves um, and also the community and then getting out and giving back. So for me, it's, it's, the, it's the perfect vacation. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. So guys, if you are, uh, you're interested to learn more about Dr. Lauren, please check out her website. If you guys don't know Lauren, then shame on you. You should. Um, She's a rock star in her profession. She's an up-and-comer, and you guys are going to hear a lot more about her as things go on. Subscribe to her podcast, Nakao, Kyro, Nakao Talks, right? Um, I'll put the uh, the link to the download in the show notes for everybody. And, uh, you know, by all means, if you're in Denver, you're a parent, you're looking for a Cairo, um, Lauren is the one that I trust. So yeah, you need to see come her. Come find me. Yeah, no doubt. And I, uh, I'm going to need a Lauren adjustment sometime soon, I think, in the near future. Um, guys, if you, uh, if you like this content, um, we want you to share this as much as humanly possible. Share on Facebook, share on Twitter, share on Instagram, use the hashtag normalize chiropractic and, and really together we'll save a life. And guys, if you can take a minute to, um, leave a review, uh, for our podcast, right? Um, send us five stars. Let us know that you're feeling good about what we're doing and we're going to deliver a ton more content for the rest of the season. So Dr. Lauren, thank you so much for being here and I hope to see you again in person real soon. Thanks, Dan. This was great.